All right, hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Waiting to be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events on FX Hash. My name is Will and I'm joined by Trinity. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of FX Hash. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is just for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for those who prefer a visual language, on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. And of course, if you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens, at our Tez wallet address, Waiting to Sign. Tez. Trinity, what's going on? It's Friday morning. I love Friday morning. It's so good. I love this new recording time. I hope that we can keep it somewhat regular. Like I feel bad because I feel like we miss an extra cycle on some weeks or most weeks, but it just gives us more to predict, right? Give us more to predict. Artists have fair warning to adapt to us. If you're going to drop a project on Friday, you know, it means we're not going to be able to cover it until the following week. So if we get to it at all, seriously. No, we'll get. To, I mean, there's some stuff dropping today. At least one project I think we'll be talking about in some capacity next week for sure. But I have to ask you, you know, since this is an early morning recording, what is your coffee ritual like in your household? So for my birthday last year, Claire got me an espresso machine, like the Breville espresso machine thing. For the first two weeks of having that, I basically just ate lattes instead of food. It was a high point of my life, I have to say. Generally, that's just been our, our ritual ever since is not the eating lattes part. But, you know, we just have an espresso machine and just making Americanos at will. Have you gotten like super into the grind and getting like the perfect pull? I've seen some like TikTok and YouTube people talking about like how to get the perfect pull through your espresso and really analyzing the flow of, of, the, of the hot water through the, the coffee grinds. No, we haven't. Like we <laughs> did a lot of research up front where it's like, this is how you do it. And then, you know, monitoring it because like there's a like an espresso gauge on the machine. And it's like, wow, that's looking really low today. I wonder why. Mm. Sometimes it's because I am past due on doing a clean. And sometimes it's just maybe the grind is a little bit, you know, weird. But it's one of those things where you set it and forget it, honestly. It's like you figure out the grind level that works and you're like, cool, I will never think about this again. We just do French press here. That was the old ritual. I have a two-step process. So I do a mug of hot coffee with a little oat milk and some sugar to sweeten it. Like, hot coffee to me always comes off as too acidic and I can't, I need to have a little something in it to mellow it out. But then the bottom third of the French press, once it kind of downgrades to just warm and you don't want to drink it like that, unless you microwave it, then I'll just get out the big ice cubes and I'll turn that into like a pouring it over kind of an iced coffee situation. So those are two so sacrilegious things. In you my don't mind. like either of those. Yeah. No, like microwave. No, well, no, I don't no. do the microwave. No, I would never do the microwave. Okay. So instead okay, of doing the in. microwave, I do just pour it over ice. Okay. But I know that waters it down, but I, I don't mind being able to like sip something slowly that's kind of like coffee-ish. Maybe if it's like the stuff that's in the grinds, it's been sitting there for a little bit. You know, it's a little bit more steeped and strong. Yeah. It's probably over-extracted, if anything. <laughs> yeah, it becomes okay. Because like... I'll do iced coffee in the afternoon once like my little office room thing. It's just a solarium almost and it gets so freaking hot. That's when I switch to iced coffee even in the winter. And it's mm-hmm. just the uh, espresso on ice, toss a little milk in there, just got yourself a iced latte. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's a little that's a little slice of life 
uh, segment there, you know, get to know the hosts. Do you want to talk about the news first or do you want to do donations? Let's do news and then a nice donation segue. All right. Well, the biggest piece of news is that we had a pretty successful drop this week with Jerez in collaboration, the waiting to be signed Olympic poster edition. We did, uh, we ended up really going for it on this one. 500 editions, five tests. We split it down the middle with Jerez, who just did an amazing job. Just really overwhelming to see all the people sharing their mints on social media. I don't know if you saw this morning, but someone's even made a print already on their own already? printer. Yeah, Mark Maurer <laughs> posted a print, the output that they got. I think around the time of this recording, there's still about 40 left. It's not fully yep. minted out, but considering we really stretched, I'm pretty happy with the outcome and I'm happy with the mints. I, I minted a few and I was picking some up on the secondary that I thought might be good print candidates for myself. I really want a vertical cascading one. I mm, forget what the, that trade is called. The repeater. I want a vertical yeah. repeater. I think that would pair really nicely with one of the horizontal, just like one of the regulars. Not necessarily one of the um, gold, silver, bronze, but just right. one of the regular ones. The regular swoopy ones. So of yeah. the repeaters that are on the market, a lot of them are people are trying to sell them for the triple digits. No one's succeeded. But there's one listed for, I think, just 22 Tez. It's different from all the others at the very bottom. It very clearly says waiting to sign because I think the algorithm did like a color switch for the very last frame. Mm-hmm. It stands out. And if you were thinking of getting a print, that would be one to pick up. I, I like the way that one stands out and has like the very clear waiting to be signed at the bottom of it. Oh, see, I, I like the ones that are less clear. Okay. Um, then go for the 33 Tez one. <laughs> but I don't like the color. It's like one of those ones where I feel like there are so few on the market that you can't pick up the one that you want on secondary. That is the downside of not being heavily flipped. That's true. There's only about 10% listed. Very good market stats. I could still mint more. I still have my reserve. I always try to save it to get the last one. I don't know why it's stupid and arbitrary. <laughs> so maybe I'll just have to get lucky and mint one like you. Yeah, I did. I got it on my third try. So that was that was pretty good. Again, big thanks to Jerez. Big, big extra thanks to everyone who came out and minted in support of the show. I really hope you enjoy your outputs. And, uh, you know, no official announcements yet, but we have some other collaborations kind of in their formative talks right now. So hopefully, maybe sometime in September, there will be another interesting There'll be something. Yeah, there'll be something. We'll see. Hopefully. Yes. That kind of segues into like this dropped around the time or just after that we actually did interview AJ Bernie from Tender. That was a really fun show to record. I feel like it was one of those ones where we both sat back, listened to him talk and just like, yeah, we're learning here. We're learning. Like even though we talked to AJ Bernie a lot, you know, I think we still were able to get such a like a new side of him, especially in relation to the collaborations and like the process there and his yeah. background and like in, in, his, in the creative world. I'm really glad that he talked about that because I know that that's one of those things that you see come up from time to time on Twitter or in price discussion. And it's just kind of like, so what is a tender collaboration, right? And it's not like AJ has been secretive about it, but it's just one of those things where putting something in Twitter or putting something on the website, like not everyone always goes and reads it. And you also don't get the same nuances that you get in the conversation. So hearing it in his voice, hopefully demystified that for a lot of people. And also he sounded great because he actually had a microphone set up. <laughs> so even though his voice is a little gravelly from the COVID recovery, I thought he sounded awesome. So question for you, Will. 
If you had the choice between sending a microphone to everybody that we recorded with or having an espresso machine, which of those things would you Are pick? you offering? Is this, no, is this not, I'm not okay. offering. I mean, I'm pretty happy with the French press, so I would go with the microphone to everyone. That would be ideal from, from an editing standpoint to make sure that we all kind of sound equal. And uh, I think these microphones even do a pretty good job of muffling some of the background sound too, which just, again, makes it, will make everything in the edit that much easier. Good to know where your priorities are. Sound quality yeah. first. Also on the tender side of things, there was an interesting moment. The uh, tender fund bought a garden monolith this week and I setting not a record sale. Cause obviously the pink one that sold in the 70,000 ish test range was like the record sale, but it was the biggest kind of like sale around the floor for what was it like 15,000 or 14, 15.2. Just another amazing garden monolith sale. They're increasingly infrequent, but spectacular when they happen. And I think that was an eight whaler. <laughs> yeah. They actually reached above floor to get that one. To get that one, there is one sitting on the floor at 15,000, uh, but yeah. it's that floor is thin. And I have to say it jumps from 15,000 to 21,000. People are holding. And I think that 15,000 is fairly recent in the last two weeks because I was, well, we'll get to this in a minute, but I did a small update to like the test USD analysis chart. Mm -hmm. And when we last looked at July 26, the floor for GM was 19,005. So that one that's at 16.4 must have just, it was either repriced down or it was newly added to the market. It was repriced 16 hours ago. <laughs> okay. So that's very recent occurrence. Maybe someone was inspired seeing that sale and repriced down yeah. to try to get it to move. They had listed it three days ago at 17,000 and they had listed it again 21 days ago at 19.5. Oh, so they were the former floor. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like they're trying to make a sale. So anybody who's looking could be primed for offers. But if you'd have that much test, just buy my dragon, please. Before you move it up in price again. <laughs> you never know. You might be getting a deal now. <laughs> the other big thing we did this week, this is kind of news. This is kind of things to be looking forward to, is we talked to Lisa Orth, a huge get for us on the interview front. Really exciting. Very different kind of interview. You know, Lisa really gave us, there's a lot of life lessons and insights that are going to come out of this interview, I think, that I hope people are really going to enjoy. <laughs> and no shade to anybody else who has done our interviews with us, but this might be my favorite so far, just because of all of the inspiration you're able to get out of like what Lisa was saying, or what, at least what I was able to get out of what Lisa was saying. I was really worried we were going to wake up and you were going to be like, I quit my job. We're doing the podcast full time. <laughs> I was going to be like, no, Trinity, no, no, no. <laughs> I've had those thoughts, but, you know, thinking about it, like, I don't hate my job that much. Like, if I think about doing this forever, that doesn't make me feel that bad. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? The idea of sitting at a desk forever, that makes me feel bad. But I actually kind of enjoy so many components of my job because it's, I get to think a lot. I get to feel bad about things. I get to be mad at people. Like, it's just, you get to experience the life's emotions. That's not to say I wouldn't quit this and we're going to do this full time. Clearly within a year, we'll be doing this full time. Maybe some ambitious person will come by and say like, I love your content. Why don't you start a podcast network and we'll fund you and, and they'll match our current salaries, which seems implausible, but it could happen. You know, <laughs> you know if you, you just have to put that out there, you have to manifest. I'm putting it out there right now. Double our current salaries. And okay. well, 
the other way that we could transition into doing this full time, of course, is through is through community support, which is maybe a an awkward transition into donations of the week. Do you want to run down the list, Trinity? Yeah, we got some good donations this week. We got a stone Jeebus from Faux Jeebus, who is a perpetual weekly donor. We got Trinity in Space by Trinity Art, who is not me or my artistic self from Voltex. Nate Knowlton gave us a Rolling Hills at Sundown. Pixel Wank donated a grill protection and a me, myself, and AI. And we got a 111, Jimmy and Andy, from Anon.tez, which is uh, pretty fun. And uh, Anon had a new drop that came out yesterday or released yesterday. And this was the the announcement piece. So super cool from that. And then is Mahelio coming through donating a buy, which I know is a drop that you were super stoked about. And looks like you may have even been able to get one this week. I did. I, I made good on my word from last episode that, you know, after we got some of those early proceeds from the collaboration with Jerez, I went through and I found one that was actually pretty close to the floor, but also very high on the rarity. And I liked the colors. So perfect combination. As always, the detail on these things are crazy. We don't have to, don't have to kind of redo that segment, but I love that drop. And I'm very appreciative that Ismahelio sent us sent one to our podcast wallet. Before we transition into our pickups and our projects, though, I did a quick Tez to USD update. The thing that I was looking for here was that we've seen a lot of movement in Tez since that July 26th snapshot. So I did a snapshot yesterday, August 11th, when Tez was $1.92. So that was up 27% since the last interval. So it's a pretty big move. The interesting thing here, or the thing that I was looking for was now with Tez moving up, how elastic would the floors and the relative USD valuation of a lot of the projects we were looking at be. So if you kind of think of every project maybe having like a quote unquote true price, then as Tez goes up, you would expect the floors to come down. And likewise, as Tez goes down, you accept, expect the Tez floors to go up, which is kind of roughly what we saw for a lot of projects over the last few months, but not necessarily in even chunks and not necessarily all at once. So it's um, definitely an inelastic ish thing, probably because NFTs, as we know, are really illiquid and there's not always someone there who's trying to like make an arbitrage play, looking at the price of Tez and USD and looking at floors. But we did still see some pieces that shifted. Dragons. Yeah. So Dragons actually has had a really rough time. Yeah. So since the Dragon, the Dragon floor has come down over a thousand Tez since that last snapshot. And as a result, it went down 30% in Tez price, down 10% in USD price. It's still doing very well for the year. So, you know, you're still way up if you bought back in January or, of course, if you minted. GM, Garden Monolith, is down almost 16% in Tez, but it's up 7% in USD. So that price is like kind of still outpacing the change in Tez, which is interesting. Contrapuntos, which we noted before as being down for the year slightly, is now up for the year. So the floor is basically unchanged. It was previously 1,052. Now it's a flat 1,000. But with Tez prices up 27%, that now puts Contras at up 15% for the year. Overall, like a lot of the projects we looked at before, Hollow, um, Tick, Loom, they are all doing as good, if not better, than they were before. Like some, some pieces that were really low on the list before have had slight improvements because they've remained flat. So like reading a book, 
actually had some some purchases recently and the floor came up slightly and that's done really well for it. So now it's, it went from being down 11% to the year to up 33%. Farb Taylor also, the floor has come up a tiny, tiny bit. Small Skulls is crushing. <laughs> Small oh. Skulls <laughs> is up 50 Tez in the last two weeks on the floor, which translates now to almost another 200% in Tez for the year. And it's up almost 600% in USD terms. So Small Skulls has definitely been it. So I don't know. Do you, I know you're looking at this, Trinity. What do you think? Well, first of all, I'm very bad at looking at charts sometimes. So I'm figuring out which columns I'm looking at. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so Small Skulls, as you said, I think it's one of those evergreen projects that people are always going to be looking to buy Small Skulls no matter what. People will never forget about them because they're just so everywhere. Like as a PFP, um, you know, there are such so many homages to them and other projects as well, whether it's the um, FX Ape, you know, the fan club, the, you know, the Mark Knoll, John Carroll collab. Skulls are everywhere. You know, I think that you're never going to be sad holding skulls. And, you know, you usually won't be sad buying them, especially at the prices that they are, as long as you're not buying at the top after they're running, you know, you'll be happy. But there was a really beautiful one that sold at like the previous top of like 550. There's a, a gray one, which are really, people like those. It had like a five tier gradient eye, which is another really desirable mm -hmm. like quality. I don't know if that's a signal that, hey, they're still really low because you can, you can get the good ones for the old price. Yeah. Like 550 is where I sold my just like pretty Regular. plain black and white one. Yeah. Back in May when it was, or yeah, May, June, whenever that was, when it was like really running. Yeah, to get a gray skull for that price now is, is pretty, because that's a desirable, especially with the the gradient eyes, like you said. I do think now the window of opportunity to probably get in is closing quickly. Like you could have gotten in at 250 on the floor. We saw people selling them at yeah. offers for 200 and even a little lower, but the floor is now moving up. And looking at a lot of the ones on the floor, I mean, there's not a lot to distinguish them. They're just kind of like, yellows and blues and greens and they don't have any yeah. of those like identifiable traits that i mean they're, they're floor skulls that in the future if you were looking to sell them you'd be selling them at floor so you'd have to pay up a little bit if you want one that maybe felt a little more investable i mean i've been thinking about skulls a little bit but you know every single time i think about skulls it's i just sit and wait and then it's always too late so so i mean long long story short the immediate move in tez hasn't done too too much Yet, it seems like the market is not responding quickly to this. I mean, if anything, it's just kind of helped some of the projects that were lagging that are relatively illiquid, illiquid, like, you know, Afton, right? We talked about being basically flat throughout most of the year. And because it's kind of remained flat, it's actually gone up in its USD valuation. It's still down for the year, but it's one of those projects that since no one's really buying or selling them as the USD price of test goes up, then its value is going to go up. And same, same for stippled impressions. There were a couple of projects, unfortunately, that are still sliding. So even though Tez has gone up, they're actually further down. So I'm not really sure what to make of those. And those two in particular are Hyper Giraffe and Sequence. Um, Sequence actually saw a 26% drop in its floor. So even though Tez is up 27%, it makes it kind of like down just a tiny bit more in the, in the way it converts. And uh, likewise for Hyper Giraffe, it's down 28% in floors. So I don't know. I'm not really sure what to make of that, to be honest. Like why those two projects that are like kind of beta classics just keep, we keep seeing the floors drop on them. I have no idea either. Like Hyperdraft is one that you see, you see sales generally together. 
I think the only hyperdraft sales I've really seen were like around the time of that bull run, you know, a couple of months ago. And sequence as well. When people are seeing sequences sell, people buy more sequences. But generally speaking, they seem to be fairly illiquid, at least like nothing on the scale of, you know, small skulls or even reading a book, which is like pretty consistent with people buying, I would say. I almost wonder if some of those runs or or half runs that we saw for sequence and hyperdraft back in that May area were people who were anticipating that there might be a greater run on the project and trying to you know, start nibbling at those floors before they took off and, and ride the wave. But then we never saw sequence, you know, sequence has never done what dragons did or even hollow or hyperdraft has had its moments back in the day. I mean, one of the reasons it's 2022 outlook looks so bad is because of how high the floor was back in January. So it clearly had a lot of momentum going into the start of the year that brought its floors up to be over a thousand but it hasn't maintained that same level of collector interest throughout the year. So it's, yeah, it's interesting because people always put those projects, they're always like in the top 10 or top 10 adjacent, but then they're not holding up in terms of their floors and certainly not in their USD value. Yeah. I'm actually really, what you're talking about in terms of like January and what floors were then, the, the January to February shift is huge. Almost with the exception of GM, almost all of the the floors on these projects, also with the exception of small skulls, it's down like two thirds or 75% on many of these because I think January was when we were experiencing that first really big bear market and floors just, they got destroyed. You know, Contra went from 350 to 210. Hyperdraft went from 1050 to 525. Hash cities went from 350 to 160. Defrag from 400 to 155. Granted, there are other factors there with Defrag 2 and Defrag 3, but sequence from 400 to 135. Yeah. And I and I think that shows a flaw in just the arbitrary nature of this analysis, right? By picking mm-hmm. January 1 as the start point, we're ignoring the price action prior. And like, again, obviously for any of these projects, if you just minted them and held, you're up, right? So this is not like, wow, if you're, if you've been holding hyperdraft, you're like totally screwed. Like if you've been holding hyperdraft since you minted it, you're, you're up, like you're just up. It's really, again, like this analysis is not meant necessarily to say projects are bad or you're, you're wrong to have minted them or have bought them. It's more just to, to me, it's really to look at how prices of these projects react to the to the price fluctuation of Tez and how, like how elastic those two things are and how related they are. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm looking for here. I don't know how to <laughs> find it, but I feel like in talking about it, we're going to kind of wiggle our way into some kind of conclusion eventually. I think like this spreadsheet that you have is so amazing. I, I think that it's figuring out how do we turn this into something that is a chart with more data points along the way. And that's just actually a really big issue that I think some people have been talking about with FX hash and maybe Tezos in particular this entire time is that there really aren't like the systems or tools in place to do this long-term detailed analysis without doing everything by hand, which (laughs) is a painstaking task. And right. Like for example, Matt W doesn't do his charts anymore. It's just, it was too much work and it's just done doing it. So this, I think it's manageable because I'm just looking at a list of like 15 projects. And if I ever want to do, it took me 20 minutes to update it yesterday now that I've yeah. got it started. But if I wanted to do a hundred projects, then that would be too much work probably. Anyways, that I think we've already talked about this way longer than I had planned to, but it is interesting and I'm going to keep looking at it, especially if Tez keeps going up. It'll be interesting to see. 
So I know you said that you've always looked at picking up a small skull, but you picked up something else this week instead. Probably you probably can, we're considering this against a small skull. So let's talk about some of the things we picked up. Let's talk about our favorites. What did you do this week, Trinity? I went, and I've been thinking about this for quite a long time, maybe ever since that that last run that we had um, in that bull market. And I picked up an ethereal microcosm by Cyphered. It was 670 Tez, which is now officially the most expensive thing I've ever purchased in USD or Tez terms. Not in my life, but like, you know, on Tezos. You know, I've been looking at and tracking the ethereal microcosm floor for many, many months now. And I've been getting closer to biting the bullet and, and getting one. You know, I wanted to find one that I really liked. You know, a lot of them are like just kind of dullish gray. I didn't want one of those. And I've been looking at number 38 for specifically for quite a bit of time. I love the colors. I love the way it moves. It's just something that out of all the ethereal microcosms that were listed, probably the one that just makes me the happiest. There are some that are like super cool and out there with like deep vibrant colors, like the pinks, the purples, but those were a little too over the top. And this just feels like a little bit more subtle in nature. It's slightly pink, which, you know, is great. And there's green, which is my actual favorite color. I probably could have gotten a better deal on it if I had made an offer. Um, the former owner was Ace & Co., who is also a tender. Um, we probably could have done some negotiation. But Alluvium just bought the floor a couple of days ago. And I was immediately panicked because, you know, Alluvium just had like a Turner Light come out. They're pretty flush. I was like, oh my gosh, they're just going to go in and buy up all of the ethereal microcosms. Oh my God, I don't want to get like scooped. And so I just bit the bullet and made a uh, panic purchase, which I don't really regret, even though I could have maybe saved a little bit by doing an offer. This is the one ciphered project I don't own and now is definitely getting out of my reach. So I think that's like a great pickup from a long-term perspective, which I know you are much more in the long-term holding camp (laughs) as far as your decision-making. I was a little bit worried about this and worried because, you know, we're looking to maybe like get a house and I have promised that I will use some NFT earnings, aka a dragon sale in order to put towards a down payment. Mm-hmm. And so obviously this kind of takes away from that goal. But Ethereal Microcosm is also one of the ones that I just want to have it on like a tiny six by six frame and just have it run continuously. I don't mm-hmm. want it big. I want it small and just kind of have it like in a little innocuous area in the house so it's just subtle movement can be there for you to see at any time yeah. without being like over the top and in your face. Awesome. I don't have anything nearly as impressive. You know, I got the aforementioned buy by Ismahelio. I minted a couple identity layers from Victor Duval after you had them as a favorite from last week. And I'm sure, I think they're actually still available to mint. I got some really nice ones. And then I went in on an artist from Beta who hasn't done anything in a long time on the platform in Convergent, who has a bunch of really cool black and white animated geometric projects. Um, so if you're kind of newer to FX hash, you may have never seen this stuff until yesterday when it started popping up in the sales feed. But I got an impossible architecture from them, a shepherding random numbers, and three different fractures. These are, you know, projects where you can kind of just buy them and be agnostic of even the thumbnail because again they animate they change so drastically from what you see there. So I basically bought things right off the floor because once you get them running, they just all do their own thing. And it's just someone I've been looking at for a long time. And then 
figured now's the right time to do it. I mean, all of these pieces, I think the most expensive one was 15 Tez. They're super approachable still. So what brought you to this artist? Like, I'm interested because it's not, they're not somebody that we've talked about a lot. Like, I do remember talking about them in the past um, when some of these came out. No, I mean, we never covered these. We never covered these on the show because these are all mm. from like December and even earlier. I mean, I think Shepherding Random Numbers is yeah it's project 626 i mean a lot of these are sub project 1000 so part of it is they're early really early um project Mm -hmm. on the platform their thumbnails are not necessarily impressive and don't that's why you want them (laughs) well partially yeah i mean one of my theses is that like animated projects are, are just perpetually undervalued on the platform because you look at their thumbnails and you don't necessarily go like understand what's going on. Like if you looked at shepherding random numbers, you wouldn't know that this thing just like keeps going if you animate it and it does some cool stuff. So that's part of it. And then I remember these from early price discussion days in December, like end of November, December, like people talking about all of these drops and they were, I mean, they've been out of the conversation for a long time, but back then as early FX hash drops and like the artist is also has a bunch of work off the platform. So if you look at the owners of these projects, you're going to see a lot of like classic names. They've just always been in the back of my mind. And it wasn't until this week that I think Tobias in the tender discord was like brought up how inexpensive these are. And it clicked again. I, I looked at uh, almost buying them in May actually, because I thought these could be contenders to run like when everything else was running. And I've collected some inconvergent stuff on, um, Versum too. They have some cool stuff there. So what some of the few things I've actually bought on Versum <laughs> outside of Zancan. So yeah, I don't know. This is not to say everyone should go get it. Like it's it's a really long-term thing. I also just happen to really like the pieces, especially when you play them. They're super cool. It's about it. It's interesting that they haven't they've been releasing on Versum, but not coming back to FX Ash. I wonder what's the story. As far as I can tell from Twitter, they've been writing their own. I don't know if they're writing entirely their own coding language or something, but whatever way that they're coding their projects that are going up on Versum, I don't think they're compatible with uploading to FX hash and, or also, and, or they're not interested in making them fully generative random pieces, but that's not to say that they won't be back. But I just remember asking when they were showing stuff, I was like, is this going to come to FX hash? And they said it can't or it won't. So anyways, in conversion, if you don't know of them, check them out. So those are my pickups this week. Did you have any favorites from actual drops this week? Let's let's talk about actual drops this week. I have one favorite this week. This is an image composition piece. Little God by a Ripla. You know, this artist has done a couple of works before um, in the similar vein of like super cool, like illustration, like very stylized, like painting, I guess. I don't know. Uh, they're both still available, Stranger's Gift and Face of Death, but Little God just took off. And it is a piece that's really, you know, related to that transition from childhood into adolescence and just all of the feelings that you can have like within like this cruel, cruel world. And so it's something that really took off a little bit on Twitter more. I, I saw that Danielle King posted about it with some replies from Lisa Orth. And it just really resonates. You know, there are a bunch of different various backgrounds, but with like this child slash adolescent at the figure doing any number of things that this person actually has like three arms and each of them is doing something unique. 
And it's just, there's so much emotion in these. You know, it's something that I would probably get a print and put it up. Or if like I saw this at an art show, I would totally get one and hang it up. It's, they're so well done artistically. And there are just so many different things to look at. And they all feel so unique in a way, even though it's, you know, somebody who's in the same position, but you can put so many different types of of emotions and backstories on each individual figure, like based off of what they're holding, whether it's like a water gun and a dinosaur versus somebody who's holding a leaf and bugs. I don't know. I think it just is there to tell so many different stories in a really subtle and poignant way. And yeah. it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, there's there's some interesting contrast here in the main figure always being portrayed in these very like muted, sort of depressing tones, but then collage around them could be like really lush-ish green flowers and grass with bright blues and reds and yellows and like a sun or even the raindrops can be like very bright and, and happy in contrast to the main character. There's This is a really interesting execution of doing image comp on the platform. Yeah. It's really nice. I was going to pick one up or mint because like when I went to bed, there were only like 50 or 60 minted and I woke up and they were all gone, which is yeah. just shows you how word of mouth can really get around. You know, the floor pieces, it was a one Tez mint. Floor is currently at 3.9. You know, I'll do some exploration to maybe see what looks good. But, you know, I think that this is kind of the opposite of like those happy image comp pieces that you might want to hang on like your baby's wall. But I think it's something that is like tonally great for like an older audience just because it is able to convey so much emotion, which is something that's really cool. Number 58 is very cool. It's for sale for five Tez right now, right near the floor. That's the other thing that I've noticed about some of them is um, some have like the uh, the halo around mm-hmm. the head, which, you know, in religious iconography is there to convey that somebody is like a saint or next or to God. Angel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that some of them have that and some of them don't. And just, you know, what does that mean to the viewer as they look at this? Yeah, it's really striking. And, and this one's very minimal in the colors. It's like the halo plus the hand holding a lighter and those colors kind of match. And then the really pinkish it's this, this one I think is super cool. I don't know if I'm going to buy it, but that is just as I'm browsing them, that one stands out. Well, that's a super scary one, Trinity. It (laughs) is. Well, it's your favorite. Yeah. No, I mean, in general, the drop, this is an interesting, scary one that you brought as a favorite of the week. It evokes emotion. So it sure does. I only have one favorite this week which is Body Politics from Macintosh, which I think is still available to mint. Yeah, it's a two-tez mint. And this is a super cool one. It, it The first thing that drew me to it was the composition because I just thought the composition was very cool. But then it has a very interesting story. And so it reminded me of when Ada, Ada, Ada first started releasing on the platform. And you looked at their work and you just kind of like like the way that these gradient circles were composed and you're like this this might be interesting let me click and then when you read about the you know the data element to those and kind of what the project's supposed to mean it like adds a whole nother level to it so you know Macintosh here with body politics came up with something that I think is really visually cool mm-hmm. and it has a story to it it's, it's it's you know I guess it's a political piece that speaks to the current issues of like 
gender exp- expression and inclusion and equality. And um, yeah, so if you're into that type of thing <laughs> in particular, if that, if those things matter to you, or if you're into artists, you know, taking a swing at making political art or like overtly political art in this sense on the platform, which I'm not against. I thought it was really cool. And I minted a couple of them. Um, in particular, I really like the ones that have like the blues and the, and the purples, like the, the thumbnail piece mm-hmm. for the project. But there's still a lot of really interesting uh, variations in there, like especially ones that almost feel like it's more hatched, like not just horizontally, but also vertically. And so like, there are a lot of really nice textures that are able to come out. And like n- number 14 is the one that I just saw that it's like less of a hatching shape because everything is so far apart. I think that this, like especially when you look at it as a collection, even rather than just individual pieces, I think it tells like a, an even more powerful story mm-hmm. than anything else just because like, seeing all of the different shapes and types of things that we have inside of ourselves, like next to each other, it just kind of speaks to like all the differences that abound, even though like the outward shapes are also, you know, still can be like similar, but also different. Uh, if you look at the features, there's an interesting feature called privacy. All of the forms have these um, dots within them. Sometimes it's like a white dot, a white dot with a red dot in it, or multiple dots. If you find one like number 16 that has like a black square over the dot and you look mm-hmm. at the privacy, it says like gender redacted. You know, they're, they're really playing a lot with like representation and the information that is often associated with gender or gender expression, right, in, in society right mm-hmm. now. So really cool piece. Go check it out if this is your type of thing. I might go mint one now. All right. Those were our favorites. And now we're sticking to the new format. Let's do the top five. These are the top five based on unknown criteria. You know, these are just the ones that we think that hit for the week, either on the market or in the zeitgeist, like people just loving them and are probably the five that everyone would most expect us to talk about. So that's why they are the top five. And we'll have to get some feedback on that, I think, because... It, they're the ones that people are already talking about. You know, I think that we do a good job of covering some of the ones that we find more personal connection to. But I don't think it's that significant of a change of what we were doing. We're just calling it the top five. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're giving it a segment name. So are we going to go in order here? These are roughly in chronological again for the week. Is that right? No, they're, uh, they're not quite in chronological. But let's just go from the top. First of the week, we have Southern Gothic by Willard, which is a Free edition Dutch auction from 12 Tez down to three. This was a little bit of a dark horse, maybe. You know, it's something that is very representational. It's very much in the representational side of things. So it's like dark, it's dreary. You know, it's telling a story about rural Southern life. And it's really cool. It is cool. I'm looking, you know, we, we both missed this. And unsurprisingly, it looks like it launched at like a... Uh, probably a time when we were both working. <laughs> it launched right in the middle of the day for mm-hmm. us. And somehow, it, I mean, it wasn't on my radar. This is their first drop on the platform, the artist Willard. And it just, when you look at it almost as a thumbnail, like if you were looking at it in the queue, I think you almost would have assumed it was image composition based oh, on absolutely. just the thumbnail. And so it's the type of project that, at least for me, it was like really easy to gloss over it and just disregard it. Mm-hmm. And it almost reminds me of there was that house project that you really liked 
from yeah months it's ago. called like ragnarok i was trying to find it yeah this is like ragnarok on steroids yeah and uh, you know later in the day or maybe it was even the next day we just started seeing these fly in the sales feed of course then it's like okay i better go look at what this is and the more i looked at it the more i thought it was really really cool you know at, at first i was a little put off by the simplicity of the house uh but there's beauty and simplicity. Oh yeah, exactly. You know? There can be. And the thing that it does here, kind of like the way it plays with the simplicity of the construction of the landscape itself, often the horizon is really subtle, or at least in some of them, the horizon is really subtle and just the minimalism of the other elements and reading the description also, of course, helps. You always should read the description and, and they did a good job of conveying what they're going for here. So I think it was a slow build. I don't think this is one of the ones that you know, took off immediately. But I remember seeing a lot of these come through the sales feed at like five tes, oh, six yeah. tes. So it was like around mint. If I look at the top holder, they have 42 pieces. The average price of those 42 pieces was seven, which implies that they were able to mint a ton, buy a ton like close Gee. to to four. Because it probably minted out at three, I would I would guess. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, it must have minted out around three because it was 945 tes in primary sales, so 300 editions. So there might have been a couple that went at the higher tier, but almost all of them went at three. And it's had 136 sales in the secondary, lowest sale 495, highest sale 222 for 6,000 in in the secondary market volume. So a huge amount of interest on the secondary. And, you know, we see collectors in here unsurprisingly like charlie surf and clown vamp got clown a bunch vamp. of them there's not that many yeah. left there's about it's about 10 percent listed which is really low right now yeah. for FX i Hatch. feel like this is one of those projects where somebody went in with the mark null tool and just maybe swept it got like i wouldn't be surprised if clown vamp just got 35 at once yeah maybe <laughs> maybe i mean you know what i mean i feel like i i saw that i saw him coming in and out in the in the sales feed Mm-hmm. And buying some at higher price points too. So yeah, really, really cool project. The artist still only has like 500-ish followers on Twitter. So, you know, I guess it remains to be seen what they're going to follow up with. But super exciting to see a new artist like this come and break through on the platform. And it's a really great piece. Like the textures are there, the graininess. It almost feels like fa- like fabric in a way. You just everything just comes through it's so nice and even the ones that are so simple with like a swing set mostly obscured by leaves and by grass even that is just so subtly nice i think it's actually a really good companion piece to little god yeah in a way it's like another depressing piece (laughs) that we're talking about kind of three in a row right (laughs) we're in the depressing vibe days of late summer Oh, and I think the other thing to talk about with this piece is that um, there was one final spot um, that was still left to be reserved. Right. And Willard was auctioning off the the last spot with all the proceeds being donated to the ACLU, um, which is the American Civil Liberties Union. It completed a couple of days ago. The last spot, it went for 300 TES. So we'll have to track to see what that is in dollar terms over the course of the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of the proceeds of that going to the ACLU. Awesome. Good on them for saving that last one and converting it into a charitable donation. Gotta love it. So yeah, I think that covers it for Southern Gothic. Should we talk about the next one on the list? 
Let's talk about the next one in the list. All right. So next one is Monolith, which is a collaboration between Orkislev and Architecture. This is a Dutch auction of 256 editions. It started at 2001 Tez, reference to the movie, and the Dutch auction halved in every interval. It ended up settling in at 31.26 Tez is where the bulk of it minted out. A couple of them went in the 62 range, the 62 and a half range, which is also where I happened to mint mine because I thought it was going to go there. Longtime listeners will remember maybe many months ago, I had architecture as like a something I'm looking forward to uh, coming to the platform because they had hinted on Twitter they were working on something for FX Hash. I'm not sure if this was the project or maybe they started something and then they ended up finishing it through a collaboration. But I know that this is an artist a lot of people have been following on Object and they've been running kind of like almost an ARG kind of thing with the universe of their own work. Monolith, though, at least to my eyes, is like quite different from a lot of what GAN architecture does, which is, mm-hmm. you know, as their name implies, like these GAN AI generated large cathedral-like alien-looking structures, you know, architectural pieces. So this is a super interesting collaboration in that sense of like, when I, when I thought of what they might bring to the platform, this is not necessarily what I expected, but that doesn't mean it's not cool and interesting in its own right. I actually hadn't spent much time with this, to be honest, until just before we started recording. This was like, I think the day that three big things came out and I think it had flown a little bit under my radar as it's been going through like the whole secondary cycle, but it is really, really striking. And just the way that there's the, like just the whole pilleriness of that pillar, it just is in such a strong juxtaposition to like the 3D landscape around it. Yeah. Cause it's so flat. It's like very like luminous in some areas and just stark like obsidian in others. It's really interesting. I think we've seen a lot of comparisons maybe to hollow. I've seen that come out quite a bit where it's just kind of evocative of that feeling. Mm. Um, I don't know if don't get that as much. I don't get that comparison necessarily either. I mean, if anything, I would lean more towards comparing this to like a Monotau maybe in mm. terms of some of like the, it's just kind of that planet, like the, the nature of the surface of the planet. And we're examining, you know, if you look at the, um, I mean, even one of the traits is planet and you can tell it's like, these are supposed to be things that are spread out all over the universe, galaxy, whatever. Like I like the way it kind of looks like a, f- a photograph too. They, they've kind of done like an inset frame thing. And do some of these have pobbles? Yeah. So I was just going to say, I mean, I've seen some people saying, are those glitches or were those bugs? Like, were those meant to be there? It's definitely some of them have these cloud-like things that very much look like Orkislev pobbles to me. I thought that was inten- yeah. like an intentional, almost like an Easter egg. But I know I've, I've seen some talk in Discord that maybe there are some issues with this one. Like some of the stuffs are unintended or maybe as you blow them up too, sometimes they don't quite render the same way in full screen, but nothing that's been so severe that has detracted from the interest in the project and the excitement about um, the collaboration. So, so I'll say personally, I didn't love my mint. It's really minimal. Which one did you get? Number 37. It's a really, really flat landscape, a pretty bland sky and just a single mono black body in the center. So compared to some of the other variations, which I think have a lot more, there's a lot more potential for excitement than the one that I got. But Mm -hmm. the thing that I found interesting about these are if you run them and have them render, 
the rendering animation shows the obelisk like rectangle almost as a keyhole or a thing that you're looking through as the planet behind you is being selected or generated. Mm. And yeah, interesting. And GAN architecture with with the work that they've done, they have the these um keys that they give out to people that are NFTs that get you on the uh, reserve list or the allow list for their drops, like their open edition work that they put on object and stuff. So part of their ARG, like these little puzzles that they put out in the wild, people who solve them get a key. A part of me thinks it's not at all unintentional that these things, especially the black ones, look very much like keyholes and the way that that rendering was done, the loading screen, you know, gang architecture being involved in this piece and having this, this key thing, not that I would sell mine anyways, because that's underfloor. <laughs> I'd be underwater still having minted at 62. But it makes me very interested in holding on to it and seeing what role these might play in the greater Gantt architecture universe moving forward. That is really a cool piece about, or a cool piece of information about Gantt architecture that I wasn't aware of. It's pure speculation on my part. I'm not saying like go go buy these because there might be some tie-in. Like none of that's announced, but that's just like my familiarity with the artists and what they do on Twitter and. It seems like all of their work. At the very least, connects. it's a nice homage. Yeah, like it could be just that, and exactly. it, which is still really nice in and of itself. What I was going to say is that you know, many months ago, we were talking about um, like the rise of generative photography on FX Hash, specifically uh, around Metamorphosis and Metamorphosis Two, and then eventually Three that were coming out, and you know, a little bit in conjunction with. Uh, Nat Sarkissian's piece, uh, California Hills, and then also Reconnaissance as well. To me, this also kind of speaks to that, like, almost is this photography type of feel, especially within, like, the the deep black and whites, which are most of these pieces are. I feel like those almost feel more real- realistic than the ones that are colored. And so I think that it, it's nice to bring, like, kind of that aesthetic forward as well. And again, when you run the animation, when it finally completes, it almost develops like a photograph in the mm-hmm. way an old Polaroid might slowly gain detail as, as it develops. So there definitely is this like photographic element to it and and a photorealism to the way the piece looks, which is like what Orchism is like so good at, right? Like making things yeah. in code that look so realistic. So this is not image composition, you know, this is fully code. It is really overall a cool piece, even if I'm a little sad that I didn't get a special one <laughs> of my own. This could be one that you uh, put in your watched feed. You kind of track the floor prices over time and, you know, just see how it goes and then eventually find something that speaks to you enough to really yeah. go in and get it. You know, from a market perspective, it is pretty heavily listed. Um, Especially the black one, like the ones that are not special are very heavily listed. Yeah. So it's like just over 20% listed. Uh, which isn't terrible, to be honest. Low sale of 35, which feels like a mistake. There, I think there was a little panic, like a little yeah. panic early on. It, it was much more listed right after the mint out. And people have been coming in. I mean, the, yeah, the floor the floor was in those mid-30s. And then it's just slowly been coming up over the last couple of days because it is like a gang architecture, you know, one of one. And their, their work on object is not inexpensive. Yeah, they definitely rose. Because the, they were in like the the 30s, mm-hmm. and then it I think the floor peaked at around 70. Oh, and then just looking at the stats, it's been creeping back down. Yeah, as as the people who want to sell their plain ones are undercutting. That makes sense. Yeah, but I think a really cool one one to watch out for 
And I'm not going to risk it while we're recording, but I kind of want to blow one up to like full screen on monitor to see what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, wait till we're done. <laughs> when fully rendered and um, then just kind of imagine what does this look like hanging on a wall? Because mm -hmm. it does seem like it'd be a really striking piece and just to have around. It totally could be. Well, on the same day, you know, you mentioned that there were multiple drops. So there's the next one on our top five list is from that same day, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And that is Spaghetti by Melissa Wiederecht. And this was a speed run. It was something that she was posting about on Twitter as she was going. It took her 12 hours to make from scratch. So she started out with like a concept of here are some nice flowers. Let's use this as an inspiration and a starting point. And then, you know, if you read the Twitter thread, which we can link, it's just all the things that she did in order to create something that kind of spoke to that, that inspiration, while also being something entirely unique. And while I think that it diverged quite a bit, I'm really not mad about that because it is an amazing piece that has seen also amazing action on it, I would say. Um, it's a Dutch auction that started at 400, went down to 25, but ended up minting out at 50. Only 100 pieces, so super small edition. And oh man, this this one is fun. You know, talking about how it like goes back into like the painterly aspect and just the textures, the colors, the swirls. It's it's something really cool and special. It, it, it is. It's really an amazing effect that she was able to create in 12 hours. And obviously, she knows what she's doing, right? <laughs> like she's not an mm -hmm. amateur. So I guess it's a little unsurprising, but to me, the really effective thing here is like how well she was able to balance the use of color and palettes and like make these compositions that, you know, for 12 hours, like, yeah, just 12 hours, like maybe you would say, oh, oh, it's like just curly. Oh, it's quote unquote, just like curly lines that look like paint, but it's, yeah. it's, it is in the execution. It's, it's tasteful. Right. And that's like something that yeah. you can't just, co you can't code taste. You're going to have to have taste and the ability to find these palettes in that time, balance them and come up with some of these compositions that just look so amazing. Like some of them are kind of asymmetrical and, and that's really cool how you get these big blocks of color and how they play with the strands of color um, emerging from like that, the zone of growth, I guess, that's mm -hmm. supposed to evoke the flowers. This, you, yeah. you know, this, my story with this one was I was, was looking to buy one on Wednesday when the floors were still around a hundred. And then while we were waiting <laughs> for the poster drop with Jerry's to go, the floor, the floor blew up to three fifty. It's now down to three thirty, but it's still like now the loud of reach, but it's kind of crazy how low the Dutch auction went considering, you know, it was just a, a 100 piece from it, from Melissa who's yeah. done so well on the platform so far. It was one of the ones that I think was also kind of slow to grow on the secondary as well. But if you look at it, it's almost 100% flipped. It's seen 71 sales, 23 are listed. For a small edition work, like that is incredibly, incredibly impressive. I don't know. This might be one where the floors might creep down, especially for people who are buying around 75. They're still well into like the, the profit range. But it's being held, I would say. It's certainly being held by a lot of the people who bought them on the secondary, right? With only 23 for sale. Yeah. I mean, we might see a few more come to market, but if they if they come on, I wouldn't be surprised that they were listed way above floor, right? Like we see some people who have some very aspirational prices on their pieces here. So it's basically like, yeah, it's listed and it's contributing to that metric, but they're clearly not intending for them to be sold mm -hmm. now when the floor is when they're when they're listing them for like a thousand or nine hundred or yeah. 
even the folks who are less than 600, that's double the floor. Looking at the uh, marketplace stats and just trying to flip between the different charts to kind of see what's happening, it does look like the majority of them, like 37 of them sold in that, like that 100 range. And so people are still like very, very, very solidly in the green, even if they were to sell now or sell much below what the floor is. But again, you know, they're probably looking to hold, you know, I haven't checked to see who who's purchased those. Yeah, I was really mad missing this mint too. I had to choose between minting this and minting architecture, And I, because I was game pretty low on Tess and I minted the architecture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clearly in the short term, this would have been the right one to mint. But um, yeah, just a little unlucky. If, it, if that run had come a few hours later, I would have been able to get one in that like 100, 120 range that I was hoping to get it at. But, I mean, there's really not many in here that I don't like looking at all the variations. Like almost all of these ones, like right around the floor, I'd be very happy to own if they were in the price range mm-hmm. that I could buy them at. Really good on Melissa, who's really not been releasing here for very long, only since May with her first piece, Untitled. We were doing some quick market stats a couple of days ago, just checking to see like how female artists were doing on the platform generally. Because if you look at like the top works on FX Hash, like Iskra is really the only woman who's in there. But Melissa, I think, has the, done the best in secondary sales or one of the best in secondary sales. After and Iskra. just in such a sh- short, yeah, just in like such a short period of time. Someone was talking about it in Discord and it was someone was talking about it on Twitter too which is what I think brought up the conversation. Yeah, she's had a total of 32.8K in secondary sales so far, which is one of the top mm-hmm. for, for women. Alexandra's like outperforming, but you know that's over the course of... A long you know, time, so a lot of ten, 10 chrome atlases, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and obviously Iskra. But yeah, I think that she's definitely in the top five, yeah. probably the top three. Yeah, So and someone who, yeah, like probably that's going to, that number's going to keep going up. Yeah. With only six drops over the last couple of months. So plus art blocks, you know, (laughs) I think she's just on the up and up and can't wait to see what else she has coming. Yeah. That's, that's Melissa. Another great drop by her. Should we do number four on the list? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So number four, assembling machine by T Boswell, 300 editions, Dutch auction, starting at 125 ended up at 16 a really steep jump between 125 and the next tier which was 36 another project where if you minted at the top tier then you got yourself a print from the artist at least one person bought at the top tier sorry i'm looking at mint number one yeah Uh, and that was at 125 okay but i I think it was one or two at the top tier it's a little hard to tell actually like in retrospect (laughs) how many people minted it at certain price like fx hash says that someone minted, but it doesn't say minted at what price when you look at the token. So, Yeah, you have to go into the transaction. So one and two were both minted at the top tier. Okay, cool. So a couple people took them up at that offer, but then everyone else just decided to go for the digital only piece. It's it's kind of funny because, you know, like get the floor prices now, you might as well have minted at the top price and gotten yourself the print thrown in because the floor is like 77. So that's not that far off of what you would have had to pay to get get a print. I think it's really reminiscent of their breakout work on the platform, which was Fracture. Um, that you know, I think everybody was obsessed with Fracture for like a couple of weeks there because it was just so amazing. I mean, this is like obviously just not super nuanced analysis, but it has those same vibes of the the shapes like moving within space and 
they're also, I would say, really well known for their use of color. Also reminds me of an older drop from the beta days by Echo 33 called Modern Times, if you remember that one. Mm-hmm. And kind of just like the the layering of rectangles and circles and co- like, you know, the, the color palettes that Echo 33 chose lean a lot more into like the red and yellow. So not as not as diverse, not as colorful, definitely not as pastel as um, what Boswell does here. But there is just something, especially some of them that are more open and like less packed kind of gave me that mm-hmm. vibe in a good way. Not in like, you know, again, this is a, this is yeah. a favorable comparison to be making. And like using like the use of like transparency as well mm-hmm. to kind of like show how things are layered a little bit more. And I think number 25 specifically looks like modern times, like it has a similar palette and just like the vibes are very, very much the same. Oh yeah, exactly. Yep. This was one that it was really fast mint at 16. I was able to nap two of them. Oh, congrats. (laughs) Yeah. And then I think that it was similar to spaghetti. It was one that was kind of slow to grow on the secondary, you know, or at least like it kind of was start slowly getting started. And then just once it had enough momentum behind it, it actually just like took off like a rocket. You know, I aspirationally put one up for sale at like 45 or something <laughs> like that just to cover costs. And then I was like, oh, wow, this sold. Yeah. And then the, the floor was in the hundreds there for quite a while. It's that was just really fantastic performance, I would say. The thing that, you know, although I didn't mint this, mint this one, I missed it um, when it came out. I, I actually had an uncharacteristically busy week at work. But the thing that I really like about this one is it's an application, as far as I can tell by my eye, an application of flow fields that does a very, very good job of hiding that and like adding on top of it and creating Mm -hmm. like more dense structures, like really emphasizing the use of, of color and the way that the shapes overlap and creating complexity beyond just what we think of as like a classic Vedenza style flow field project, which we've seen plenty of on the platform, some of which have done really well even. The reason I think it's a flow field is when you look at some of the ones that are less dense and you start to see some of the underlying structure and the swirls in particular, like uh, number 41, like the way mm-hmm. that the pieces arc. I do think that there's at least one element of flow fields being used here. There's probably a lot of other stuff too, but I love that mm-hmm. there's this innovation here and that you find pieces that look like at a glance, you would think we're not a flow field at all, but probably there is some being used. And maybe it's a more common application than we know. And we just kind of think of Fidenzas as being the only things that are flow fields. I'm saying this yeah. in a positive way. Like I like seeing this application and this this creation of something that feels like the flow field is just one component of it and not the main thing that's driving the piece. And I think also it's their unique like shapes and textures being used, or maybe more shapes where it's not just rectangles and circles, like especially if you look at things like number 65, you know, one of the earliest impressions that I had from looking at this piece overall is like, I kind of get the sense like of puzzle shapes, you know, with how like they break apart and split together with just like the little, like the cutouts, the um, like the bulbous circle things that help you like reform the puzzle. So I, I get like kind of puzzle piece vibes from the different shapes as well. Another great project from Tyler. You know, I missed the opportunity to get it. If it comes down a little bit more, I'll be looking at it. Or if I if I get an unexpected windfall of a sale, definitely one that I'd be looking to get into because mm-hmm. I like their their work a lot. And there's a ton of traits on this thing too, which is really interesting. 
Should we move on to the last one? So the last one that we have was a sort of surprise landlines drop, I would say. It's YLB Mess A by landlines. A 400 edition Dutch auction that started at 256 ended up doing most of its minting at the bottom tier of 24. And this was something that was there to reward people in the United States who were up at around 9 or 9.30 Eastern on Monday night. Yeah. I mean, a nice surprise. And this, I'll note the name, of course, is assembly spelled backwards. Oh. <laughs> so that to make it a little oh. easier to pronounce. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I did not see that. Yeah. Wow. And it makes sense because this is a kind of blocky assembled three-dimensional piece. So this is like a another one from Landlines, like moving into that three-dimensional space a bit. I mean, we saw a little bit on Influence, which did not do very well f- for them, unfortunately, but the addition of space. And then they've done some work off of um, FX Hash as well that adds dimensionality to their work. But still in mostly traditional uh, landlines colors here that the colors that we love there are some kind of new colors popping in some deeper mm-hmm. oranges i saw someone comparing it to the um work by uh, chetel gold on uh they have a project called archetype which is like a classic project on art blocks and that particular orange looking really close to like that so it could be an homage that's such a classic piece of three-dimensional work i guess i don't know how else to say it on on ab so could be kind of a nod to that there by including that color palette. They have that traditional color palette with like the greens, the yellows, the pinks, and that, you know, it's been being expanded upon over time and just having more dimensionality added to those palettes. I have to say that looking through Landline's work is almost is like a 3D abrupt for me. I don't know if you can see I that. Know, I, where I, it's I get like, what you're saying. Yeah. Abrupt is like very just 2D shapes, lines, and then like this is that just kind of taken into space, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. I did miss this mint because I got distracted at my computer. You were actually there waiting for it, and I don't know what you were I, looking at, but I you was, turned and it was gone. I was setting up like our, our new like show note system, oh, and okay. I just got deep into it, making things work, and then I was like, oh no, I missed it. Uh, I did a desperate last shot in like the last block, but whatever. I missed it. It's a pretty cool one. Um, I love some of the variety here of the fading pieces or the pieces that are bursting apart. Yeah, those are the coolest, I think. The one where just they start to go into nothing. Yep. And I got a really nice one like that. Uh, A nice gradient piece that's fading away. I also got a inverted black and white one. Ooh, nice. I scored two nice mints. I decided that I actually prefer the colorful pieces. I just love those landlines colors. So I listed, it hasn't sold yet, but I listed my black and white one for anyone who wants one of the more rare ones out there. You can go grab that. But I lucked into a reserve somehow. I'm not sure how it was chosen. (laughs) I think you got mad about a reserve in the past. Or was that just somebody else? No, I got sad that I didn't get a reserve for the fabric one that they did where you you could go sign up on the website and then there was like a calculation that weighted your probability of getting one. And I, I missed out on the reserve for that, but I had probably an above average chance of getting it, but that doesn't mean I was a lock, but it was, it was, it made me kind of sad to not get that, but may, maybe they use a similar thing. Maybe they use that exact same database yeah. and ran it. It was here. your turn to shine. Yeah. Yeah. So very cool drop from landlines. 
It is below mint right now. So if you wanted to pick one up, the two that are below mint right now are like the more shipping containery ones. I think there's like like a little bit of a tiered structure in terms of what people find desirable in this project. Right. And you know, the ones that are fading, I think definitely are a little bit more desired. I think it'll be interesting to see how this goes, I think, for landlines on the secondary. Obviously, like super successful primary. That's I wasn't sure if it was going to sell out. Like, I thought it was like, okay, this might sell out overnight, but I didn't realize it would go so fast because it's like large number at a pretty high price. It's just funny because it's just the story of landlines always is that it sells out, it mints out, and then people try to flip it and they can't. It just seems like there's always the exact amount of demand there for people who want to get their landline stuff to get it and flippers. I mean, probably some of the people who are listing here are just hoping that it'll sell so that they can buy one they might prefer more. But anyone who's mm-hmm. like still kind of trying to just outright flip landlines on, you know, within the first 24 hours, I think you should have learned your lesson by now that, you know, it took sedimentary dissolution a long time to grow into a piece that you could have flipped for profit. So the floor was pretty steady, like around 30. And so I think there was probably that short window at this very, very start where you could have made profit. Made a couple tests. <laughs> yeah. Which is profit. I mean, profit's profit, yeah. right? Um, for people who are looking to flip, you know, if they make, if they don't lose out or if they break even, that's considered a win, right? Because they go, they can go back and spin the wheel again. You know, it's exactly 25% listed. A little bit more if you include the, the reserves that aren't minted yet. Right. There are some people who haven't claimed their reserves. And- those people are generally people who've been inactive for a really long period of time. Well, there's a couple here. I see Funny Guys, Roxanne yeah. hasn't claimed it. I feel like Funny it. Guys comes in and, you know, Carpe diem, like once a week. Please claim your yeah. reserve. But since the allow list, the reserve list wasn't really announced. I don't know that anyone would know unless they were using a tool that told them they have a reserve. Like it just, you either were on it or you weren't. So I wouldn't be surprised if those folks just don't even know that they're on the list. That's true. But, you know, suffice to say, another cool drop by landlines, something new. We always appreciate it. Can't wait to see what's coming next. Can't wait to have them on the show. Landlines, come on the show. <laughs> Get in our DMs. Yeah. All right, shout outs. We have a number of shout outs. Shout outs are fun. Yeah, let's run Let's run down the list. First shout out is Physical Culture 01 by Lisa Orth Sketchbook. Will, you were able to somehow mint in the top 10 with or without gas. I don't know. Without yeah, this was wow. so. This was a 100 edition piece that Lisa put out, and we talked to her a bit about it in the interview that'll come out like a week and a half or something from this episode airs. And yeah, she started a new account to put more experimental stuff. And um, if you minted in the first ten of these, then you just got utility to be defined, and that's kind of where she left it. So we talked a little bit with her in the episode. I'm not going to spoil it about what some of that utility might be, but. I, I was watching this one. It was it was basically unannounced. You know, she didn't say exactly what time mm-hmm. she was going to drop it. She said it was going to come in this cycle, and I think I was just happened to be up late and saw it. So I saw a few going fifty, and then it dropped to thirty, and I just like minted, and I got in at the thirty tier without gas in the top ten. I have actually even had some person one one person DM me and try to trade something that was worth in the two hundred fifty tes range for it. So. Food for thought. Yeah. I don't think people really knew that the utility is there, but clearly if you look at the pricing, a couple of people bought minted two and are trying to flip one. And some people minted two and are trying to flip two. Or are trying to flip two. <laughs> yeah. So if you are someone who's a Lisa fan, maybe you could 
maybe those will undercut each other because I haven't seen any in the top 10 moving yet. No one's willing to pay a premium yet. Yeah. Uh, the person who's flipping too, they've actually raised their prices. <laughs> I think after we, it was after we said that we had interviewed Lisa. Oh no. Uh, there is a direct correlation, but Uh-oh. maybe those prices will come back down. Shout out to Lisa for putting out more cool stuff and experimenting again, you know, this time with the utility mm-hmm. aspect and we'll see what comes from for that. For trying something new. Yeah, of yeah. course. A common theme in the, in the interview <laughs> that's going to come out. Next shout out is Bonsai Bonanza by Meta Person, who this is a project that I think would have normally fallen underneath our collective radars. It was like 888 editions of Bonsai image composition, but it got a huge elevation from Kevin Rose from the Proof Podcast, who apparently loves things that are Bonsai, both real life and in art. Yeah. Actually, it kind of unlocked and was running at the exact same time that our logo drop came out because I kept on seeing people minting things for one Tez. Yeah. And I was looking for like the five Tez mints. Thanks, Kevin Rose, for killing our drop. Someone mentioned to us that like over in the Moonbirds Discord, they were talking about the drop. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like it it made it over there. And then the person's like, oh, never mind. Now they're talking about trees. I was like, what? Like what trees? Because I don't usually monitor the image composition. PFP no, never. Thing. And so Ever. then I looked over and I saw all these trees going. But it was just kind of an interesting thing where someone had an outsized influence on the on the market there. <laughs> and and I, I would guess probably a lot of people either minted them in that moment or bought them on the secondary speculatively over like that Kevin Rose endorsement being such a big influencer in the space. But still a fun project, not to disparage the project. Like a very fun, cute, cute little tree. Great for them. Another shout out here, Sketch D from Ipsketch. This is the fourth installment of their sketch series that we actually kind of never somehow got around to covering, you know, in its nascent days, the pieces were extremely minimal, but the whole experiment here is quite interesting. If you got sketch A, you would get a reserve on B. When C came out, you had to have A and B to get a reserve. And so kind of chaining these reserves forward from people who got in in the earliest days as an isolated thing, that's a fun experiment to run. I'm not sure if this is considered the final installment. No, it could just go on forever. It's forever and ever and ever. It's just sketches, right? And they all feel really different. Sketch D is the first one that really breaks out of like that fully just just the grid. Grids. Yeah. Yeah, we have circles now. It's super cool. And incorporating some more color, it actually feels I mean, it's starting to feel a lot more like echoes their first big drop mm-hmm. on the platform now with this change and some of the fracturing of the grid across the the diagonal, yeah, the diagonal or, yeah. the, or the line where the color changes in the background. Just Ipsketch doing more cool Ipsketch things, and I think this one actually, if even if you didn't have a reserve, I think it ended up dropping pretty far down in uh, the Dutch auction. You could have mm-hmm. gotten in if you were more interested in just getting these more finished pieces. Yeah, lowest secondary sale of forty nine. So I bet that means that the Dutch auction ended in the forty or twenty five Tez range. So accessible Ipsketch pieces, you know, probably inaccessible to go back and get A <laughs> at this point. Those are pretty tightly held and expensive, but fun experiment. Good shout out. Yeah. Next on our list of shout outs, we have Crossworlds by Kira, who has released a number of really fun projects uh, on the platform. Most re- most re- recently Mediterra- Mediterranean, which is, uh, you know, one of those projects that people called Instant Grail. And is super fun and accessible. And Crossworlds kind of takes that to like a completely different level 
where there's a whole like theme and story around it, where it's like it's a duplicate world, like a mirror world, top and bottom, where the worlds can kind of interact with each other, and it's like the whole space time continuum. And you know, some universes like they have peaceful interactions between each other. Some of them are very warlike, and I guess don't like each other. So, you know, like super high concept, you know, really a continual play on like those cityscapes that uh, they're most well known for and absolutely bonkers cool. You know, I think I've seen some pictures with uh, where people are putting in more of like a rectangular frame because it doesn't need to be in the circle that it's in. Sometimes I think it's actually more, more impactful when you get like the break it out of the circle and you get it you know, like the two worlds top and bottom, you can flip them back and forth upside down is interactive. On Twitter, I think Kira showed that there's a, on mobile devices for Android only, there's a way to view these that as you tilt the device, it tilts the viewport and like you can see more like past what's in there. So there's a lot of interesting functionality built into this one. Yeah, there's also like the para- like the scrolling, it follows your mouse as well. So on mobile though, with Android, that it responds to tilt, which is pretty interesting. And my note here was I got big Fringe vibes. If you remember the show Fringe. I actually never watched Fringe. Maybe that's why it failed. Yeah. All right. Uh, next shout out is Enclosure by Okaz, who we haven't seen for a minute on the platform. It's actually one of the pieces we talked about with Ken Consumer on that very first interview on the podcast way back in the day was Okaz's previous piece called First Ignition. Oh, good memory. Yeah. they're They're back with a... 1000 edition, just colorful, poppy, tiled piece that was only five testament, just flat price, and they're still available to mint. So if you want an accessible OCAS piece, uh, you should go check this out. Another shout out that we have is uh, 250,000 by Robin. You know, this is another one of those like fun, abstracted, pieces that I actually haven't spent that much time with quite yet because I missed the mint, but really great to look at, uh, you know, follow up from the prior pieces, uh, you know, his vibes of Vissen, vibes of Whisper. And I think that this is probably my favorite piece of theirs yet. I know that you love Osmanum, right? Yeah, I think Osmanum is still my favorite, but I quite like this one from Robin. Just the color of the composition. It's a really, really nice piece. And a ton of variety in the composition as well. So I love the, the, these pieces that like leverage a lot of like physics, I guess, or like more of like of the natural type. And so it's an amazing evolution, I think. Well, and speaking of physics, the, the last shout out of the week goes to Wooly by Kali with a really excellent use of like shaders, uh, the ray marching technique that we talked a little bit with Peter Pasma about on that interview. Just a really, really fun animated piece of like little woolen balls rolling around a woolen topographical surface that is seamless. The animation is just so seamless because of the use of shaders here. So um, really amazing piece. Yeah, this is one that I actually like completely missed until somebody posted a like an actual image of it animating because that's something that you don't really get when like scrolling through the feed. And it was like, oh, wow. This is actually really fun and really cool. So if you hadn't seen it before, like actually go and click run. Yep. The animation is really delightful. Yeah, it's really cool. And because of the use of shaders, it just loads so effortlessly in the browser and runs. And 
you know, it's the type of thing that you might expect to break your browser, but it doesn't. And no. they're just really playful and fun. Only 150 editions, still a pretty accessible floor, 15 Tez, if you want to get one of these. So yeah, that's, that's it for the shout outs this week. Very quickly. I mean, what are we looking forward to? The Lisa Orth interview coming out in a couple of weeks, of course. It's coming out later today, actually is Emotional Shell, which is the new tender collaboration with uh, W. Watkins, who has done some really uh, some of our favorite works in the past, such as Charcoal Landscapes and Charcoal Brutalism, but has also probably seen some of their biggest success with Ridge Blur and Ridge Scribbles, because everybody loves a landscape. This piece, there's a good Twitter thread out about it in terms of its uh, evolution and its construction. I think it's super creepy, it's super weird, and will be super... Re- it's interesting. <laughs> it's very different from anything we've seen on the platform. We talked to AJ Bernie a little bit about that in the interview and the process. The thread that Watkins put out really illustrates all the reasoning behind the piece and how they arrived at that concept and and the execution of it. And it's like the the influence from photography and it's another piece that uses ray marching. So hopefully it's very performative in the browser. And uh, yeah, it's probably going to come out within a couple hours after we finish recording this episode. I, off the top of my head, can't remember what the format is. It's a Dutch auction, but... It's Dutch auction starting at 72, ending at 20, I believe. I have no prediction at all for this one because there's no comp that I can think of of what people might compare this to in their heads if they're going to be excited by something so new and different, if they're going to be put off because they can't make an immediate comparison. (laughs) It's wild. It's really cool. I mean, I'm excited to have it on the platform for sure, because of how different it is. Other things that we have coming out soon, uh, Ekero is putting out a new drop that comes out today. Oxygen, uh, I think tomorrow we're getting the new Jeff W. piece, Precarious, which is the follow-up to uh, Balanced, Balanced yeah. which, which is a lot of fun. Other than that, I don't. there's nothing off the top of my head that is coming out in the coming weeks or things to look forward to. Yeah, not, not that it comes top of mind. So that seems like a good place to wrap the episode. I know we're, it's time to go to work. <laughs> it's Friday morning. We did our recording. Time to go to work. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. As always, thank you for the donations. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll be back again next week. Later.